the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Welcome to His Life Revealed with Pastor Todd Granger of His Life Fellowship in San Antonio, Texas. We're glad you've chosen to join us today. Our passion at His Life Ministries is to help believers know Him and show Him. So we keep it simple. It's just about Jesus. Our prayer is that the Holy Spirit will make His truth plain to you so you can walk in freedom and enjoy the life of union that God has designed for you to live. And now, here's Pastor Todd. We're in Romans chapter 2, and uh, Paul has been talking a great deal about judgments, and we're going to cover that. And judgments aren't a good thing. We talked about that. Anytime you enter into judgment, it's, a, it's difficult. It's you actually sitting upon the throne of God. When we judge, we judge wrongly. And when we judge others, it's usually the result of eating from the wrong tree. What's happening there is you're eating from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil when you enter into judgment, and you will feed on that fruit. And the bad thing about it is that you have cast aside the fruit from the tree of life to do it. You've literally given up life in order to enter into judgment. Self-righteousness is the fruit of man's judgment. Now, Paul writes on the judgment of God, and as he's speaking about this, he knows that there are people in the audience, primarily Jews, who believe that they are righteous because of their lineage and because they attempt to follow the law. They believe that that gives them righteousness, and they believe that they are righteous because they have the law, and they looked with contempt upon the non-Jews. Now, I don't know about you, but whenever I've tried to, to play that self-righteous role, I'm not so bold as to stand around and talk about what I do. Typically, I'm not telling other people about how much I pray or how much I read the Bible, because I've found there are other people that do it a whole lot more than I do. So you can't stand in that one. So I found myself doing this. Well, I don't do that. Well, you know, she did, well, I never did that. I stand more in what I didn't do than in what I have done. And and you know what? That's not legitimate either. Because if I could make myself right, what would it be? It would be self-righteousness, wouldn't it? If I could make myself right by not doing or by doing, it would be self-righteousness. The truth is that if I went down that road, and I've tried to go down that road... Who is that righteous standard based on? Who's going to maintain it? Who's the standard? Well, I am. That's what self-righteousness does to you. You see, we don't think about that. All we can think about is our good standing. But the truth is, when we walk in self-righteousness, when we walk in this ideal that somehow we are above others because of what we do or we don't do, 
When we do that, we literally forfeit the grace that would be ours because we are worshiping this idol. We are worshiping this idol. We're going to go into chapter 2 of Romans and we're going to start at verse 9. Romans chapter 2, starting at verse 9. I'm going to read to verse 16. And then there will be tribulation and anguish and calamity and constraint for every soul of man who habitually does evil. The Jew first and also the Greek, the Gentile. But glory and honor and heart peace shall be awarded to everyone who habitually does good. The Jew first and also the Greek, Gentile. For God shows no partiality, undue favor, or fairness with him. One man is not different from another. Verse 12, All who have sinned without the law will also perish without regard to the law. And all who have sinned under the law will be judged and condemned by the law. Verse 13, For it is not merely hearing the law, read, that makes one righteous before God, but it is the doers of the law who will be held guiltless and acquitted and justified. When Gentiles who have not the divine law do instinctively what the law requires, they are a law to themselves since they do not have the law. They show that the essential requirements of the law are written in their hearts and are operating there, with which their conscience, sense of right and wrong, also bear witness, and their moral decisions, their arguments of reason, their condemning or approving thoughts will accuse or perhaps defend and excuse them. Now, in verse 9 and 10, some people would interpret that to be talking about behavior, but we know better than that. As we said last week, what's going on there is Paul's actually talking about two different people. He's talking about two different people who live two different ways. Last week we looked at verses 7 and 8 where Paul compares these two different characters. And it is clear that they operate from two different sources. They have different desires and goals. They have different definitions of life. One is based in spirit and the other one is based in the flesh or the world. Now, Paul continues with that comparison in verses 9 and 10. And again, I want you to understand this, that there are only two types of people in this world. There are only two types of people. One, those who are born of Adam, and two, those who are born of Christ. In the Old Covenant, there were two types of people as well. There were Jews and Gentiles, and that pretty much covered everyone. You were either a Jew or you were a Gentile. The Jews were the people of God through the lineage of Abraham. They were participants in the Old Covenant. And that was God's covenant with them, but it was a forerunner, just as John the Baptist was the forerunner of Jesus. The Old Covenant was the forerunner of the New Covenant. It was literally a shadow of things to come. It was there in place to reveal to man the need for the new covenant which would be embodied in Christ himself. Now, in verse 11, Paul makes a bold declaration. It is, in effect, declaring the end of the old covenant. If you go back and look at that, it must have been shocking to any Jew that heard it because it's in contrast to what they'd been taught since childhood. Look at the verse and look at what it says. It says, For God shows no partiality, undue favor, or fairness 
With him, one man is not different from another. It does away with any righteousness based on the will or the actions of man. Righteousness cannot be created by man. Do you get that? Now some of you think you get it. But do you really get it? Because this is the truth. God does not judge according to the flesh. All flesh is condemned and will perish. Do you get that? All flesh. That includes yours. You're not taking that earth suit to heaven. Some of you are proud of it, but it's going to get left behind. Frankly, I'm glad. But all flesh will perish. The distinctions of man are what we judge by, isn't it? We judge by race, we judge by appearance, we judge by works, we judge by behavior. Those are the distinctions. The distinctions that we can see are what we judge by. But Jesus, on the other hand, would regard no man according to the flesh. He always looked upon the heart. Jesus always saw the need of man, and he was filled with compassion. And I'm not speaking about just physical need. Jesus saw straight to the core need of man. That's why he was here. He saw a man there and crippled, and he, he may have tended to his physical need, but he addressed in that the capacity of God to heal the whole man. He introduced a God who would heal, a God who would resurrect a life. A God who would touch the human condition and raise him up to be something greater than he could be on his own. That's what Jesus did. Jesus illustrated who his father was. In speaking to the religious who were judging him in John chapter 7 verse 24, he said to them, Be honest in your judgment. And do not decide at a glance, superficially and by appearance, but judge fairly and righteously. Now, do you think Jesus was inviting the Pharisees to judge in that? That's what it sounds like, doesn't it? Actually, he was doing what he does all through the New Testament, the Gospels. He was inviting them to a standard they couldn't keep. He said, judge righteously. How is that possible? They couldn't do it. They couldn't judge righteously. It was something that they would do in the flesh. They couldn't meet the standard. Paul addresses us and our standard in Philippians chapter 3, verse 3. He tells us who we are. He says, for we are Christians. We Christians are the true circumcision who worship God in spirit and by the Spirit of God and exalt and glory and pride ourselves in Jesus Christ and put no confidence or dependence on what we are in the flesh, on outward privilege or physical advantage or external appearances. You see, we look at who we are. And when we look at others, we look at the truth of who they are. Now, that does away with he said, she said. That does away with what they did to me lately. That does away with the walls that we build between one another. Because there's no human being on earth that can touch you where you are. They can never change who you are. So why do we fight so viciously to try to maintain this identity? Because we don't recognize who we are. Listen, God will judge on origin. That's what He'll judge on. 
That which is born of flesh will perish, and that which is born of spirit is eternal. The works of flesh will perish, and the works of the Spirit are worthy of Christ. Everything that that is done in the Spirit of God, everything that the Spirit of God both prompts and empowers through your life, is considered the work of the Spirit of God, and it is worthy of Christ because it is His Spirit. It is His work. And do you know there's no other work that He prompts us to? I mean, the carnal idea is that there's God's work and then there's secular work and, and, you know, ne'er the twain should meet. But, and it's that dichotomy, it's that separation that we try to make within ourselves that says, you know, this is my spiritual life and this is my other life. But God makes no separation. He says, this is the eternal you that I have created in my image to walk in union with me. And to participate in all that I put before you to do. I say participate in because He puts before you the work that He would do in and through your union with Him. There's not a single thing that you do that is worthy of Him that you do apart from Him. Do you know that you are in the job that He's allowed you to be in for the purpose of your knowing Him In union there, you're in the marriage that He has allowed you to be in and put you together in in order that you might know Him there. These are the things that will be worthy. You know that everything that He's called you to, He's called you. Faithful is He who called you who will also what? Do it. He's called you to be a party to the work of Christ. It is the work of Christ that will last, that will be eternal. God will judge all things that has its origin in the union life of Christ in you will be eternal. Let's look at verse 12. Verse 12 says, All who have sinned without the law will also perish without regard to the law. And all who have sinned under the law will be judged and condemned by the law. And the thing that I want you to notice there is that both are condemned and perish. Ultimately, both are condemned. Jew and Gentile, neither are blameless. Both are judged. Paul is saying that you're both going to fail in the judgment with the law or without the law. Now, is Paul saying that if you are righteous... If you are able to be righteous, if you are able to do the law, that would be the adverse. If you're able to do the law, then of course you would pass the judgment. Is Paul saying that? Well, he's not even suggesting it because he knows you can't keep the law. If anybody could have kept the law, it had been Paul. But he knows better. He says, neither are blameless. You know why? Because all have sinned. Romans 3.23 Since all have sinned and are falling short of the honor and glory which God bestows and received. All have sinned. And I've looked all up and you know what it means? All. All. That means everyone. That word means all. We are born into sin through Adam. Our very nature at birth is a distortion. Paul establishes the wickedness of man in chapter 1, and there is really only one remedy for it. And you know what that is? Death. The wages of sin is death. That's the only remedy 
for that wicked self-life. We can't improve ourselves. If we could, what would it be called? Yes, self-righteousness. That is absolutely the truth. Look at verse 13. For it is not merely hearing the law read that makes one righteous before God, but it is the doers of the law who will be held guiltless and acquitted and justified. And everybody's sitting on the edge of their seat wondering how that's going to go. Well, in the temple, the law was and is read every day. And that word hearers is actually means someone who sits and passively listens. That's what it's describing. Someone who sits and passively listens. And what Paul's addressing is that many of these people would come to the temple, they would listen to the law being read, which by the way was partially scripture, but the majority of which were the writings of rabbis who have extrapolated it and taken the stories and and given examples and tried to bring it down, dumb it down to where you could possibly live to it. That's what they were listening to. But the word that they listened to did not change them. It says the doers of the law will be justified. Now this verse is very similar to one in James. Perhaps you all recognize that. James chapter 1 verse 22. Turn to that. James chapter 1 verse 22. It says, But be doers of the word, obey the message, and not merely listeners to it, betraying yourselves into deception by reasoning contrary to the truth. I love the Amplified. You see, in James, he says, be doers of the word. And I want you to notice that that word, word, is capitalized. So Jesus is speaking of Jesus, the revealed will of God, the word. And he says, be doers of his life. Be doers of his life, which is the will of God, not just listeners. He's not saying... Be doers of His teaching. He's saying be doers of His life. That's exactly what He's saying. Now, the listeners who deceive themselves by attributing righteousness to their listening and doing rather than living out of His life walk away deceived. They believe that if they just hear it over and over again, that if they uh, come and, and take notes, if they memorize, if they do these things, that somehow that that will make them righteous. And you and I already know that doesn't work. I've got bookshelves full of notes. How much am I living to? I'm only living to the portion that I have received by faith and begun to walk in. You see, the doers is key. Because it's a person. He is the Word. And as I begin to allow, yield to that life within Him and begin to walk in His life, I learn that I am not just doing what He said to do. I am being who He made me to be. And that's what He's called us to do. Be doers of the Word, capital W. Doers of His life. The Jews heard the law, read, and they sought to obey the law. They weren't just idle about it. 
Jesus made it plain as Paul is doing in Romans. No man can keep the law. The standard is perfection. The standard is the Word become flesh. The standard is Jesus. And Jesus illustrated man's inability to meet that standard. Now listen to me. This is really where the rubber meets the road for us. We're not just talking about prayer and Bible study and evangelism here. We're talking about life. And we live this life by faith. And faith demands that we live to something greater than our understanding and our judgment. It means that we live by His life. What I'm talking about is this. I know, as I said before, many of us are facing difficult circumstances. And you're praying. And you're saying, Lord, how can I get my life back? How can I have balance again? How can I have a normal life once again? Can you hear all the judgments in that? Well, these people I'm talking about, and that may be all of you, it's been me, have all prayed at one time or another, Father, I want to know You. I want to walk intimately with You. I want to live out of the truth. And you know when we pray that prayer, we're really speaking the truth of our heart. We're speaking the truth of the new creation. Now, the truth doesn't change, but our focus can and our appetites can. And when we pray like this, we often don't even understand what we're praying for. So what changes? Well, we rock along in our lives making judgments about what's good and what's bad, and going to church, praying, and hearing the Word. And then life gets difficult. We fall out with our mate, we lose our job or our health. And we say, God, I don't know where I messed up. I don't know where I failed. Don't you know my heart is with you? It's for you? Listen, Lord, I'm sorry for what I've done. Deliver me. Please deliver me. Be doers of the Word. Be doers of the Word. Stop making comfort the goal and judging life accordingly. What I am saying is this, is that God has allowed you to come to this place. This is the moment of decision for you where life becomes reality. Where truth becomes life. Where you choose and embrace that God is bigger than your circumstances, bigger than your weaknesses, bigger than your ability to handle what's in front of you. You say, but I can't handle it. Yes! Yes, that's right, you can't handle it. Don't believe that God will only bring the stuff that you can handle. Life is designed to get you to absolutely live out the truth. And the truth is not in any way affected by the circumstance before you. That circumstance that you're living in right now, whether you caused it or someone else caused it, or it just happened however you want to see it, because of Ephesians 2.10, because of Romans 8.28, it is tailor-made for you. For you. It is tailor-made for you. It is exactly what you need. It's the exact right circumstance for you to come into truth. I don't mean that you haven't come into truth. I mean that what you know here drops to here and becomes life. And you know what we do? Oh Lord, I don't want that. 
Lord, I don't want that. I don't want that situation. Get me out of this circumstance. Get me out of this situation. It's too much. Nobody should be expected to have to live like this. I shouldn't have to deal with these kind of problems. Don't you know that I'm only a man? I am weak. Don't you see that? Don't you see how I'm suffering? God, lift me out of this. You're supposed to be my Savior. You're supposed to be my Deliverer. Isn't that what we do? And we proclaim our unbelief to all of heaven and anyone who will listen. God didn't say, just say, I'll be your Savior. He said, I am your salvation. And that is not the salvation that is to come. That is the salvation that is with you now. And that is you being able in that place, in that dark place, in that circumstance, when the whole world is pitted against you, embracing the truth that you have a God who is bigger than what's before you, and going forward. That's the Word become flesh. That's the Word becoming life. You have a choice to make. This is where you decide. Do I want to know Him in this or do I just want deliverance? Will I believe His life to meet the problem or will I just allow my flesh to rage against it? Thank you for joining Pastor Todd Granger for His Life Revealed, the radio ministry of His Life Fellowship in San Antonio, Texas. We hope today's message has encouraged you to yield to His life in every situation. Rest in His life moment by moment and receive from His life all that you need to show Christ in this world. If you'd like to know more, visit us on the web at hislifeministries.org or on Facebook at His Life Fellowship. And you're invited to join us for worship services on Saturdays at 5 p.m. at 7015 Wurzbach Road. If you would like to help support this ministry, send your tax-deductible donation to His Life Ministries, P.O. Box 1894, Bernie, Texas, 78006. And finally, this coming week, our hope is that the image of the invisible God would be visible in you. And remember, wherever you go, whatever you do, the hope of glory is Christ in you. Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.